Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. And we're the three best friends that anybody could have. We're the three best friends that anyone could have. Welcome to the party, pal. Did we just become best friends? Yup. Oh, Steve understands the meaning of the word pals, don't you, Steve? So you got three, four good pals. Well, then you got yourself a tribe. And you're in this search for something to hate. I can feel you rally around someone with your peers. But can you stand alone? Can you take the long way home? Cause I've been in a circle a hundred times before. And I feel safer in the eye of the storm. You can throw the stones. I'm only three for you. For one day. Utah, give me two. Give me two. That's right. It's Michael Govier here for the Palazzo Podcast. It is a version of the show where I sit down one-on-one with a guest. I used to do Enrico's Inquisition. That was fun. And in fact, today's guest was a part of that originally way back in the day, which is really January of 2021. Not that long ago. But uh, he was one of our first. Yeah, okay, yeah, all right, January seventh, twenty twenty-one. That would be uh, a lot has changed. That's for damn sure. But I mean, you're Chris Towers. People know you as Chris Towers. Welcome, Chris Towers from CBS Fantasy Baseball today. Also does football. Uh, is there a football? I'm a moron. I guess this. I assume there's a football today as well. There's a fantasy football today as well. But I'm not. I'm not on that one as much. I do the fantasy football today newsletter. So that is the big part of my job coming up. Wow. Shocking news. Shocking development here. Yeah, so uh, me and Chris are going to go over a few things. We're all about being curious, not judgmental. Of course, I've stolen that from Ted Lasso. Have you ever seen Ted Lasso? Love it. Love it. One of my absolute favorite shows. Uh, The the first season especially. The second season, you know, took a little time to get to where it was going, but ended up really good. Uh, But yeah, I'm a big fan of Ted Lasso. If you said I watched that show and I thought it was a piece of shit, I feel like maybe you need to go to therapy or something. Some people (laughs) say that, and I I can see like it's it is like overly saccharine to a to a degree, and and 
I can see why it kind of rubs people the wrong way, but I don't know it. If you take it for what it is, like, it's not like the most laugh out loud, funny show of all time. I've seen some, it is not, you know, Oh, why, why does this get all the, the love that it does? And I get that, but it's very much like, you know, we kind of had a moment during the pandemic with like that and shit's Creek where it's like this very like nice affable, like makes you feel good version of comedy that, like, it's not the only type of comedy that I like, but, like, I always struggle with, like, The Office when I rewatch it. Because, like, it's such a mean show. In a way Is that, it? like, yeah, like, I don't know. It, like, you have, like, these big emotional moments at the end of the show where, like, they, they have the weddings and everybody loves each other. And it always feels unearned on that show. And it, it, it it's a show that, like, I feel like it kind of tries too hard to straddle the line between, like, you know, The Good Place is another one of those, like, feel-good shows. And, uh, you know, just being, like, a always sunny in Philadelphia kind of thing. Where, like, that <laughs> that's where it feels like it's supposed to be. But they don't want to go all the way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I think I prefer the, the Michael Schur, Ted Lasso type of comedy, personally. I have never... I'm not trying to just be a weirdo. Some people do things to be contrarian. It is real, but I've never seen The Office straight through. I've 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 been in a room when The Office was on, but I have never sat down and truly watched the American Office from beginning to end. So. It's very funny. Like I don't think you need to watch it from beginning to end. It it gets derailed once uh, Michael once Steve Carell leaves, but it's it's very funny. It's just not I mean, my favorite show. It's what all people talk about half the time. It's half the memes and gifs on. <laughs> Twitter, it's a huge part of our lexicon, and for this generation in particular, which I think we're part of the same generation, are we not? Um, uh, yeah, yeah, like the millennial. I'm, I'm a, what's the term? Late. Geriatric millennial, I think, is, is what the term is for, for those of us in our now mid-30s, I guess. Oh, you're in your mid-30s? I'm next week on Monday. My, my birthday is on Monday, and I will be 34, so that is officially <laughs> Oh my God! For some reason, you're such a. I've looked up to you. I mean, I'd go back I, to 2016. I have such a, a youthful air. To you. Yeah, you do. It's that real young, vibrant, like I'm a trendsetter kind of personality and yeah. vibe that you have. That I look. I mean, look at this. See, wow, damn! With Chris Towers, you're one lucky man. Greatness. Well, see. Yes. Yeah. That I mean, take it for what it is. Comfortable. Every time I go on a podcast, I'm like, we got a very special guest. It's like. Is he coming on after me? I don't. Who? Who's you said the that. Special guest. You yeah. said that on the first time you came on the show. I That's, remember that. It's my bit. You, it's my recurring bit. I toned down the intro this time. Actually, <laughs> if you notice, those of you listened to the first time Chris is on in January seventh, twenty twenty one, you'll notice I went. You know, I was fired up, and it was the first time I got to talk with you. And you can look at yourself however you want. For me, now it's old hat. Yeah, I mean. I could care less about what you do and who you are now, but there was a time when yeah. back in 2016, I would listen to you and Al Melchior and Heath Cummings and Adam Azer, and I could see myself right now in my shitty bathroom in Ann Arbor, uh, <laughs> taking a shower, putting on the pod. That was my thing. And now, it's uh, good visual. It, <laughs> man, I'll tell you what, that's a great visual right there. So, I also, though, but honestly, I was also going through a lot of shit back then, too. So to think mm. about where I was, how I got there, and how I am got to this point now and talking That's to you. Awesome. And I don't take that for granted. And I know that you could appreciate that as well. You're funny. You're a jokester. But it, to me, 
I look at this moment and I'm like, hey, you know, I get to talk with Chris Towers more than once in my life. We get to talk fantasy. We get to talk about life. That is pretty cool. That's kind of the Ted Lasso in me, I suppose. I, I don't take that yeah. for granted, and I do appreciate that. No. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Yay! Uh, Jasper says, did he say 50? No, he did not say 50. Okay. Uh, I'm 41, though, so I guess we are a little wider in the gap than I thought we yeah. were, Chris. Yeah. I can never tell. One, I can't tell how old anyone is. Like, I was talking about this. I, I'm on a flag football team, and I was talking about that with my teammates yesterday because I came to the realization that I'm the oldest player on my team. And, uh, and I was like, Veteran well, I, leader. I just have no idea. Like, I, I, I basically, like, 24 to 45. You could be any, like, any range from that. And I'm like, yeah, sure. That makes sense. <laughs> so that's why I yeah. shaved my head to try to, <laughs> you know, hide. Oh, uh, yeah. Just try to keep it. Keep people guessing because that's a secret you know, of the, the pros. Receding hairline kind of gives you away. It does. Well, what do you? So, are you like the uh, tight end, or what's your what's your role there on the team? Uh, I play a little, yeah, tight end, a little, you know, snapping the ball and trying to get open in the short area is mostly what I'm doing. But you know, I've got I'm sure-handed. I'm not not the quickest guy on the team, but I'm a reliable target. I think we have a lot in common right there. That's right. It's all about our hands. That's what we can provide yeah. the most of. And those uh, option routes, right? You guys run option routes on those short intermediate targets? or I think pretty much everything's an option route. We don't really have, like, play, so it's just kind of whatever you want to do. So people get really intense to that. They'll have the quarterback armband oh, yeah, out there. No, They'll have the plays. Oh, okay, that's not you I guys. think we went up against that team yesterday, and that's why we lost. Ah, I will give them credit. They are organized. They usually do. They always beat us. I used to play a lot of flag football up until about – 2011 and yeah those guys always if took it to us plan yeah that that really helps athleticism does matter too in flag football yeah. a little bit more it does matter and that's also yeah. why we lost a lot softball is a little easier for me in, in terms of the athleticism because <sighs> you know you, you got to run a couple times a game but for the most part you're fine oh yeah i i got softball tonight and i'm going to play right field they're going to put me over there and i'm just <laughs> see I played three times a week. Now, on this team, I'm the right fielder. I'm very happy with that. But on other two days of the week, I get to play second base, and I'm the manager of the team. So that's I get to play that role. And then on the co-ed team on Sundays, I get to play shortstop. So I get my chance to do a little bit of everything, and I'm happy playing right field for this very more intense dude team. You know, I'm just like, put me over there. Yeah. You guys, this guy throws the ball a quarter mile at shortstop. He's incredible, so I don't need to even consider competing with him. Yeah. But it's about knowing your role. All right, well, you're not here to justice hear us talk about softball i mean we're going to talk with chris towers about a multitude of things so uh don't forget to follow chris on twitter at c towers cbs and you can catch him on the fantasy baseball today show and of course you can get his writing this guys a pretty darn good writer I, I do i read your football stuff a lot more than i do your baseball stuff and that's not like any particular reason for that i just i that's just how it ended up i mean i would read your baseball stuff too but the truth is i i try to avoid getting into too much other baseball stuff in season when I'm creating my own stuff. And I, I feel like yeah. I don't want to steal accidentally or something like that too. And not that I would, yeah. but who knows? I don't know. Yeah, no, there was a period maybe four or five years ago where it seemed like every day I was writing something and then, you know, Saris would write like a better version of that. <laughs> and so I, I try to, yeah, try to, try to avoid that if I can now. <laughs> yeah, I, I understand what you mean there. That, that sounds familiar to me. Uh, Jamie says, I think he does the CBS DFS as well. I, I've been on there occasionally, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But that's only occasionally, folks. Yeah. No, uh, 
I'm on Twitter at MJ Govey, of course. The Plausible Podcast, two L's, two Z's. Utah. Give me two. Got the Discord. It's totally free. You can find that with the pin tweet, which is the tweet that you'll find at the top of a feed if you don't know what a pin tweet is. Do you think people don't know what a pin tweet is, Chris? I think it's sort of self-explanatory. If you've used Twitter, I think so. Hey, I don't know. I mean, you'd be surprised. You're a lousy fucking softball player. Whoa, 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 whoa. That is not cool, Tom Cruise. Don't say things, but he was talking to me, by the way, and that is true. I am lousy. All right, so, yes, that's all free. The Patreon, you want to take it up another notch. It starts with $3. It could be worth it. I'm not going to tell you what to do with your money. Times are tight, and things are not easy. All right, let's get into the segment. Then one day, I was driving my little boy to school, and I saw this quote by Walt Whitman. It was painted on the wall there. It said, be curious, not judgmental. One of my favorite oh. scenes in television history. The whole dart scene is just unbelievably good. It really snuck up on me. It did. I completely agree with you when you say that. I don't think that's hyperbole at all. It, man, my my thoughts with that show were like, really, Ted Lasso? Like, we're doing <laughs> like it, it, it. I was like, this is going to be like the Cavemen show, the like Geico <laughs> Cavemen show. There's no way this is going to be good. But they reworked the character, and it, it's a. It's like it. It's like a little miracle, that show. Like it, it. It's like a miracle that it even exists. I completely agree. I. I don't like to always completely agree, but when you're right, you're right. And that moment hit me. I remember being alone and everything you described about the pandemic and what we all know about it, and watching a guy who, you know, they don't make it obvious in the first season. Not to give much spoilers away, but he's going through some pain and challenges, and there's other people feeling it too, and. Mm-hmm. Even rich, super rich owners of soccer teams, you can feel empathy for them. That's what I learned. I was surprised to find that out myself. Yeah. So, getting into this, it's, I used, uh, I was originally calling it, this one goes to 11, 11 things as Final Tap reference, but I thought I'd update it just in case we could attract some new viewers who might like Ted Lasso. Be like, oh, yeah, I know that. Uh, It's all about marketing, kids. It's all about marketing. So, right off the bat, can you name three players who could benefit from a trade and there would be a benefit for them fantasy-wise over maybe over the next month or so, obviously with the trade deadline, oh, literally about a month away here. Yeah, yeah. It's August 2nd, I believe, this season because I oh. think July 31st is on a weekend. So so that'll be important to remember. But, uh, yeah, I, I think the two that immediately came to mind would be Luis Castillo and Tyler Malley, two guys who pitch in a really, really tough park. I think more so Tyler Malley because he's had – Issues with home runs, whereas Luis Castillo does a pretty good job of keeping the ball on the ground. But I think both of those guys, you know, if they got traded to a contender, one obviously would in- increase their chances of getting wins. But two, it would just make it so that they don't have to pitch half their games. And, you know, it's, it's not the worst offensive environment or the worst pitching environment in baseball, but it's it's pretty close. I mean, it's not course Field, but it's the worst outside of there. And Tyler Malley has had, like, wild home road splits uh, over his career. I'm trying to find it right now. Yeah, he has a wild 3.74 ERA on the road compared to a 5.10 ERA at home. So I think Tyler Malley is someone who would really benefit from a trade. And then I look at someone like Ramon Laureano, who plays in a really tough ballpark for hitters. You know, he's not someone who has a ton of power, but I think he could be a 2020 guy in the right environment and obviously playing on a pretty bad Oakland athletics offense doesn't help either. So he's someone who could get moved and I think have a uh, one, he needs to play better than he has been since coming back from the suspension. But two, you know, if he gets in the right 
area in the right offense, I think he could have a big second half. So he, he's the other, the third player that I would think of. Yeah, I got no beef with any of that, and I'll just let that sit and simmer here. We do have a question, though, and I think this is useful because I know this guy a little bit. He's in our Discord, Jamie, and he wants to know, uh, any tips for startup creators looking to get into fantasy sports? I mean, I know we need more of them, so we're always looking for more. We are in a shortage here in the market, but I always want to encourage people who think they can do it. Give it a shot. Take a sh take your chance. Chris, what would you say to people who are looking to do this? I mean, I, I think the, the biggest thing would be, one, just you know, start doing it. Um, there's no shortage of outlets out there. You can reach out to people. There's a ton of people who are, who are willing to help. I think reaching out to analysts that you, um, that you admire is a big thing. And, and if you're, you know, if you're talking about like trying to make it a career and, and you're younger, you're in college, say I, the, the thing I always say that was the biggest help for me was working at my college newspaper. You know, I was not, I was a journalism major at first in college, and then I realized that they have a GPA requirement for the college for the uh, journalism school, and the history school did not. So it was <laughs> easier for me to get through college as a history major. Uh, but I worked at the college newspaper for three or four years, and you know I was lucky that ours paid. A lot of them aren't able to do that, and I don't know if they still do actually. But you know this was fifteen years ago. But it's lifetime um, ago. <laughs> I mean, literally like a sophomore in high school's lifetime ago yes um, <laughs> but yeah like you you get an opportunity to one learn how to write which is big you get a lot of opportunities a lot of reps you get to cover different things i got to cover a bunch of different sports i wrote about news i wrote a pop culture column um so i just think the the biggest thing is to get those reps and to get the reps in an environment where you're getting feedback constantly because Feedback is really important. And once you, you know, once you start doing it as like a job, you get less feedback. So, you know, you're kind of, cause then it's just, you're doing the thing. So I think, yeah. um, you know, getting opportunities to do it where you're going to get constructive feedback is, is really important. So doing that, working with editors, working with, um, you know, outlets that give you an opportunity is a big thing. And then I would also say just like trying to find a niche. You know, I, I think at this point, like video skills are a must, uh, you know, being comfortable on camera, getting comfortable talking extemporaneously, all that stuff. But, you know, finding, you know, whether it's statistical analysis or data visualization or something like that, like finding something to differentiate yourself is, is also important. And that's all I had to say about that. I couldn't say it any better than that, my friend. Beautiful, beautiful. So I hope that helps. Jasper, I know you've had a big idea brewing in your brain for a bit, so I hope that gives you a little bit of purpose. And the only thing I would add, I did say that's all you had to say about that, but for me, I would recommend strongly that you get self-critical and let other people in, like you said, with the feedback. Be ready to let people pick you apart if you really want to take it up yes. a notch and making sure that you're doing something. Be open to positive or what they call destructive criticism. Yep. Mm -hmm. Completely down with that. And I've always, the days fly by and you try to create something. We're doing the show and then, uh, you know, I'll do something else later and I'll go play softball. And then I got to write something for the Patreon later. And the days fly by, ming, 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 every day. But I still try to stop if I can remember to tell people, hey, I'd love to try to, you know, yeah. read something or take a look at, listen to something. Uh, Jamie, I listened to one of your things uh, a couple months back and we talked about that. And that was, that was a really positive step for him because I told him what I thought of it. Honestly, I'm, it's important to have people you would trust to be honest too. You don't want to get fake feedback either. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's like, 
finding getting i don't know i've always been very self-critical i struggle to like Woo! have an accurate sense of where i am so having an outside like and that's really hard like being edited is difficult like i've been on both sides of that i've been an editor i've been a, a writer and it's it's really hard on both sides but like you being a writer and being a content creator in general like there's a a lot of ego that goes into it there's a lot of ego i, I was watching a George Carlin's American Dream on HBO. It's a documentary that Judd Apatow Loved produced. It. And, um, Loved it. There's one part where he says, like, you have to have an ego to do this. And obviously, I'm not George Carlin. But to get up in front of people and say, like, your opinion or your, like, there's, there's an ego involved in that in inherently. No matter, you know, who you are or what you do, like, my, my opinion is important and people should hear it. It's a, a, an egotistic thing to do. So... You have to be able to put that aside as a writer to to get that feedback and to have that feedback land in a way that you're going to process it well. So it, it's it is difficult. Yep, no doubt about it, my friend. We're talking live with Chris Towers here on the Palazzo Podcast. It's called Palazzo Pals because I like alliteration. So leave me alone if you don't like it. Okay, I'll come up with something better in the future. But for now, I'm hoping to make it my Palazzo Pal. It's very cheesy, but it's true. And we're gonna get honest with Chris here. He's very open. As far as I can tell, he's always been a pretty direct guy. I don't think he cowers. I think he's willing to talk about most things, and I appreciate that about him, too. I think that does matter. So make sure you follow him, and you're checking out CBS. You may have heard of it. It's been around since 1940s. When does CBS actually oh, created? I don't network. really know. The, the Tiffany, Tiffany Network. network. The Columbia Broadcasting System, I think. Uh, yeah, it's been around for a while. Probably the 30s? Probably the 40s. I don't know. Might have been a radio that's station, forever. a radio thing in the 30s. Huh? Probably. I don't even... Yeah. Yeah, that's probably right. I could look it up, I'm sure. Someone could Google it. Yeah, we don't need to tell you guys about that. All right, uh, next question in the hopper here. And we're being curious, not judgmental, although maybe we are already making some judgments. It's hey, Chris, inherently in life, having judgment is not a bad thing necessarily. No. It helps you live. It helps you avoid dying sometimes. It's important yes. to have judgment. Hey, everything is like you're you're making judgment calls constantly. That's 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 what life is. So, you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just not, you know, there's the 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 idea of judging is, you know, there's a there's a specific version of that that we're we're talking about here, I think. Yeah, I think it's very clear what we mean. Jamie says, that's good insight. I know I'm not a writer. I'm more of a good hands-on person. So, thank you, Govier. Listen, well, thank Chris Towers, of course. Maybe you're thanking me for asking him the question. Maybe that's what you're saying. Listening and visuals is what worked with me. Yep. A lot of people prefer visuals to just hearing things. So we got, as a former teacher, it's something I really caught on to right away is I knew differentiation is important. And that did help me in the beginning here. Next question is, name your favorite movie by an actor from the Big Lebowski. So one of the actors in that film, one of your favorite movies they were in is? Man, there's a lot of choices there, but... I there think is. my favorite movie is probably Almost Famous with Philip Seymour Hoffman. He's in a <laughs> relatively small but pivotal role as Lester Bangs, the music critic. And it, it's arguably my favorite movie. And he gives in that movie, he's in maybe two minutes total. It's one of my favorite performances by any actor ever. He, it's just, he's so good. Just offering like little bits of wisdom to the to the main character. And it's... Love that movie, love the soundtrack, love the the world. You know, I'm a big music person, so that, is, yeah, I, I love that movie. It, it's one of the most quotable movies of all time. Uh, love, love, love that, love that. But, I mean, 
what a stacked cast that movie had. Uh, Big Lebowski has that you could go with. I mean, Boogie Nights with Julianne Moore, um, John Goodman's in a thousand movie. Like it, it's a stacked cast. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. It's true. It is his opinion, but a damn fine one. If I do say so myself, I love all those movies. Billy Madison. Yeah. I don't think Adam Sandler was was he in uh, the Big Lebowski? No. Wait. Oh, but, who's uh, oh Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi. Oh, deep cut. Nice call. Okay, that's love funny. The, uh, lo- I you know, love <laughs> the movie game, right? You, you got uh, and Steve Buscemi's in Fargo, right? I Hell yeah, he is. So that that's another one of my. That's absolutely movies, right. So yeah, that, that's a lot a mm. lot of options there. Man, I'm glad I called that guy. There it is. That's him. Uh, I love Almost Famous. It's in my top ten all time. And so we're really hitting. And so is Boogie Nights. Those are two, I'm not even kidding at all, of my top ten favorite films. So I'm with you there big time. I could watch Almost Famous anytime, anyplace for all the reasons you just said. It feels like you're part of the the crew there and you're on the bus with them and all the drama. And, uh, you know, actually, I got really bummed out last night. I was doing my Cinema 9 podcast with my friends, Travis and Eric, and we were doing this little bonus thing for Patreon, and we were talking, oh, oh, I just made the yodeling pickle go off. Whoops. <laughs> okay, yes, thank you, pickle. <laughs> All right, he's done. But we were uh, talking about our favorite covers. What's your favorite cover song? And uh, a Mark Kozilek song came up, and then I, my friend told me about, unfortunately, that Mark Kozilek had really... And a lot of allegations of bad shit about him that I just found out last night. And it really bummed yeah. me out because I was a really big Sun Kill Moon fan, Red House Painters, like some really good music from him. And that just made me very sad. Yeah, kind of a kind of a, a jerk, that guy, unfortunately. Mm. So not not great. <sighs> favorite cover song though? Do you could you, th- you have a favorite, favorite cover that you've cover always enjoyed? Song. Um I love Torn by Natalie Imbruglia, which I, I love telling people as a cover because most people don't know that it's a cover of like a, I think it was like a Swedish alternative rock song that she covered. Um, oh, so I love that see, one. this that is, is the big difference here. That's the difference. There's there's a song that you know is a cover of a song that's yeah. famous, and then there's a song that was made famous that you did no idea was a cover, just like Torn. Yeah, and then like, I don't know... Uh, Aretha Franklin's version of You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman is an incredible cover. Uh, mm-hmm. Her version of Respect, frankly. So, yeah. That, but I, Torn was the first one that came to mind, actually. So, I don't know. I don't know mm. what that says about me. But love that song. I, I, got, I love that song, too. And the one that always stands to me, and I've heard it a billion times, and it's been done in movies, is still... The Sunday's Wild Horses. I love that song still. I think it's way better than the Stones' Wild Horses. Oh, really? Sunday's Wild Horses. You got to check. You probably do. If you hear it later on, you'd be like, oh, yeah, right, that song. But maybe not. Maybe. Okay, I'll check it out. I love Wild Horses, so. Oh, well, that that could be more of a challenge for you then. I'd I'd love to get your feedback on that. I will hit you up after the fact. Uh, Christian Crespo's here. What's up, Christian? He says, uh, Chris went to FIU, so he obviously knows what he's saying. Paws up. See the paw, feel the claw. Woo. FIU, baby. Is that like, <laughs> it must be like fire up chips at Central Michigan University. Same thing, I suppose. Florida International University Golden Panthers. 
That is uh, the Golden Panthers. Yeah. I think they still go back. Big the rivals. Uh, there was a, there was a. Yeah, they're definitely the Golden Panthers. They, they, they're big they rivals with uh, Florida Atlantic. Is that their big rival? Yeah, Florida Atlantic. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. The I Owls. It, it, it's kind. Of, yeah, the Owls. They're, they've got a great mascot named Owlsley, uh, who I've always thought <laughs> should be like wearing a monocle and like a top hat. Like, doesn't Owlsley sound like a like a fancy butler or something? That is not bullshit. That's incredible. That's the coolest thing I've ever heard. Wow. The more you know. Wow. I did not know that. Uh, okay. So, Mark, is it Mark Apple or Appel? I actually don't know. I think it's Appel. Mark Appel. Yeah. He's given hope to others with his stunning return to Major League Baseball. Can you think of a player that you would love to see make a comeback who used to play and now is on the outs or his career fell apart? And maybe one day he'll show up again. Uh, it's hard to come up with one off the top of my head. The first name that I thought of is just the guy who I always loved was Hanley Ramirez. And I, I, I don't know. I saw a picture of him. Who was he with? He took a picture with someone the other day that, uh, that reminded me like, Oh, Hanley Ramirez. He's, he's still like only 38 years old or something. He still looks yeah. good. And I was, Hanley's one of my favorite players of all time. So that was, that was the first place I went to. Ooh. Henley Ramirez was so much fun. Uh, you are a you are a Marlins man, is that correct? I am a I am a Marlins fan, but I am not Marlins man. I don't have that kind of. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I thought you maybe a, took a offense Marlins to that. <laughs> uh, he, I mean, he's not really a Marlins fan, right? That's the whole thing. He just like chose the Marlins gear because it was like garish and got him attention. I think so. Like, you know, he he wasn't he wasn't with me. You know, rooting for Mark Kotze on the 2000 Marlins when they were losing, you know, 100 <laughs> games and, and stuff like that. So I don't, uh, we don't, we don't, we don't claim him, I don't think. That's fair. I can live with that. Hanley Ramirez, boy, really, he had a time there where he was just so much power and speed and he was player. Really, seriously, a, a legit fantasy stud. Uh, how has Russell Crowe impacted your life, Chris Towers? Um, I- I don't, I don't think he's impacted my life very much. Uh, I, I like the, the nice guys. That's a great movie. One of my favorites of the last decade or so, but oh. I can't, can't say Russell Crowe has impacted my life specifically. Um, has he impacted your life? Oh yeah. He's had a massive impact. Uh, so much so that we even created our own Russell Crowe channel in our discord for the Plaza <laughs> podcast. It's just, Every day, people, all it is is just endless gifts of Russell Crowe. It really isn't like think pieces okay. or <laughs> essays or it's anything just, like that. Just but. trying to get a second Master and Commander movie made. Yes! Now, see, now you're talking. I, I've really grown to love that film, and I never it's saw it until movie. a couple years ago. It really is. It, quite I, authentic. I don't know if, like why it, did, it didn't, I don't know why it didn't make an impact when it came out, but maybe it's got a weird name, you know, Master and Commander. It, yeah, Master and Commander, there's like a far side of the world. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not a great name. It's, it's kind of like uh, The Edge of Tomorrow, I think is what the movie was called. The, the, the Tom, Tom Cruise? Cruise movie that had like four different names. Like they couldn't figure out how to market this movie. It was like Live, Die, Repeat, The Edge of Tomorrow was oh, yeah. the original name or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, that's true. Yeah. That's, you know, marketing matters, as it turns out. <laughs> yes, it does. Uh, Chad on Twitch says, Brady Aiken. Pulling Mark Appel would be amazing and a great yeah. double middle finger to the trash can brigade who whiffed on both number one picks. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. I mean, 
Henderson Alvarez is another one. I'm just going to stick with Marlins guy. Oh! He keeps trying to make comebacks, but man, he was so much fun. Like that one really good year that he had, he just had like all kinds of weird little quirks on the mound. And he just had one great season and couldn't stay healthy, but he, he was really fun. I, I was a big Henderson Alvarez fan. Threw a no hitter. Yeah. Last, last game of the season. I believe yes. the Detroit Tigers. That was, that was a fun. Yes. That's absolutely correct. That was, that was so cool. I actually was really into him for a minute there, and I was like, oh, man, you are a stud. You're a man. You are a human being who was really good at baseball. And he actually followed me over the last year, so oh, I appreciated okay. that. Yeah. And I thought it was BS, but it really is him, I think. Shouts I'm pretty confident. Alvarez. Woo! Shout out to you, Anderson Alvarez. You're the man, and even if you don't feel like it today, just know that right now people are talking and thinking about you. I think that's pretty cool. I would be happy about that. If uh, 10 years after I was doing nothing and people were still saying, hey, remember that guy? Yeah. I would be, I'd be grateful for that. I'd be like, hey, thanks, guys. You guys are very cool. Uh, all right, we're talking live with Chris Towers here, the one and only, and we're going through our Be Curious, Not Judgmental little fun time here on the Palazzo Pals segment. Wait, that's the segment. The show is called Palazzo Pals. Well, that's actually the episode. So there's a subtitle, the episode title, and then the overall this is, Palazzo this, Podcast. This is the problem Master and Commander ran into. <laughs> it is god it's such a pain in the ass man good god i don't know how they got through it but yeah shout out to henderson alvarez that was basically me vamping so i could get that loaded up all right but uh, russell crowe affects our show in a big way he's always gonna be a part of it in fact we close our main episode with his big speech for master and commander so those of you that do listen to us you know that and i'm uh, funny enough i never see the viewership go down to zero when i play that at the end they're still there <laughs> i still see him in there hanging on they love it i don't know why they're they're masochists, I suppose. Uh, do you now? This is so, man. Freddie Freeman has had quite a revelation apparently recently, and I find it to be. I usually don't like to get into the minutia of the side plots of the mm -hmm. season of fantasy baseball. I'm really focused on you know. I, I respect the players, and I would love to connect with them more and learn about them more. But I'm really focused on what we're doing here and trying to win and trying to be better at this game of analysis. So. I was surprised how much I found myself interested in this Freddie Freeman story because it is about the business, which mm -hmm. I admit I'm very much would like to know more about, and it's always shrouded in mystery. So do you think that Freddie Freeman was this naive to be unaware that of his own contract negotiations, that he could have had a deal and it was kept from him supposedly by his agent who he recently let go and that yeah. he could have gone back with Atlanta and just found out about this when he came back to Atlanta for the Dodgers series last weekend. I, I mean, he seems genuinely, you know, beat up about it. And the mm -hmm. fact that he fired his agent now does seem to suggest that, you know, he didn't, that he learned something that he didn't know, at least, you know, I don't know, like, I don't really understand like the the rules of that kind of thing and like whether it's like should agents be allowed to not tell their uh clients about uh, a, a contract offer like that that feels weird to me but i don't know it, it feels like he just kind of he didn't i don't know like he, he was too hands off in his own mm. free agency in a way that like i don't know maybe it's because of the the lockout, you know, and then the fact that when everything ended, the, you know, they kind of had to speed the process up and maybe it was something like that. But it seems like he just didn't take enough of an active role in this, if that's what he wanted, you know, mm -hmm. and 
you know, obviously it's the agent's job to look out for the player's best interests, but the, the player's best interest isn't like, there's not like a formula for the player's best interest. Like I, I always see people do the like, oh, this player is turning down X dollars by signing in California because of the income tax. And like, I don't, are, do we really know of any situations where players are like, yeah, the lack of income tax is why I decided to sign here. Like, I don't feel like that actually happens. And, and so there's so much that goes into it beyond just like the, the X number of dollars or X number of years. And it does seem like there was just like a lack of communication in, in regards to this. And, and maybe Freddie Freeman just didn't communicate his particular, what was in his best interest in a way that the, the agent was able to understand. So it's, it's a weird situation. I don't, I don't necessarily feel too bad for Freddie Freeman because like, I think the Dodgers are more well equipped to win over the next, you know, six years and he's making a lot of money and living in Southern California is pretty nice and all that. But yeah, I mean, he, he seems pretty, pretty beat up about it. And it just kind of seems like, I don't know, everybody failed. Like everybody wanted to reunite and they just didn't. And it's weird. There you go. Well said. Very fascinating. I do think there is more, and I've heard, and you're into the NBA too. I know Mm -hmm. this about you. It seems like with some of the NBA situations and contracts with Orlando and Florida, I've heard that there actually were a few legitimate attempts there to go there to avoid tax situations. But you're right. Yeah. A lot of it is speculation and few far between. Yeah. And, and, you know, I don't know, like the impact is often overstated because I think people think like, oh, you're living in Florida, so you play, pay Florida taxes. But you actually like have taxes based on where you're pay, where you're playing your game, I think is how it works. And so, you know, mm-hmm. that matters, too. So I, I feel like that is probably an, a, well, a way overstated factor in terms of a lot of free agency. Like guys aren't just going because like, you know, I'm going to make. $300,000 more after taxes. Like, I don't think that matters all that much. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, right I would about love that. to make $300,000 after taxes, but that's, you... you know, Freddie Freeman, that's a much smaller portion of his paycheck. Can that, can that be arranged? Is that possible? Uh, if, if anybody's offering. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, fantasy baseball, that's where the money's at. That's why we oh, all yeah. come clamoring here. We love cash. Woo! By the way, I have to ask you this because you're here. Are you as excited about the Pistons draft as everybody else is? Because it's pretty exciting around here. People are excited about what the Pistons did in the NBA draft. I don't follow the NBA draft enough to, to have an oh, opinion really? on it. Oh, really? Oh, I used to. But oh. I just, once I stopped writing about the NBA and I, I like, it was, it became. Oh, you so switched gears. Okay. Up. Yeah, I used to write about the NBA for the first, like, six or seven years that I worked at CBS and. Once I stopped really like doing it at all, it just it became so much harder to keep up because like like I can't really follow college football until the draft. I can't really because like you kind of have to pick and like I go to a lot of concerts. I watch a lot of TV with my wife. And so like if I watch the NBA as much as I used to, I would like not have a life. And so that's <laughs> that's the hard thing. So, yeah, college sports, especially I don't really uh, know very much about at this point. Okay. Wow, dude. That's fair. That's totally fair. I say that I'm excited about that. 
I'm excited about the Pistons have done. And you've left it to Bill Ryder at CBS to run the show there. So good job. I'm, you've yeah. handed over the reins to Bill, and he's done a fine exactly. job over there. Yeah. Who I watch on CBS Sports HQ. One love of the most CBS Sports HQ. Love it. I love it. And I'm not just saying that because you're on the show. I love it because it's what I used to get from SportsCenter when I was yeah. a kid. I get a lot of highlights and talk about the game, not the side stories and the personal, uh, what do they call them, human interest stories. I don't, yeah. I don't, yeah, that's not no, what I'm here for. Yeah, I'm a. I, I'll throw it on to catch up with the uh, with the sports news. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I posted a poll about that a couple months ago. I'm like, do you still watch highlight shows? Period. Whether it's CBS Sports HQ or whatever you prefer. Yeah. And an overwhelming amount of people on my Twitter following said no. I was surprised. So. Yeah, I don't it's, do it every day tough. anymore. It yeah. is tough to do a daily, but I thought a couple times a week. Who knows? I know yeah. this that we are talking with Chris, and we're in this little world of being curious so as we continue our curiosity forth do you take it personally when something is said about you on social media that you either believe to be or know to be false is i mean you're a human being chris i'm really curious about this and you have been around in the public sphere for a long time now i think it's a fascinating subject just be honest about it hey you know personally it bums me out when things are said about me that i i know to be false or think are false how, how do you feel about that maybe maybe even going back in time to when you were younger here and first getting into it maybe it was yeah. more impactful um i i try not to let things get to me generally speaking like m- most of the time i find it like the the one example i think of my friend sent me a uh my friend uses the the reddit forums for fantasy football for a lot of his uh advice and he sent me a link he, he was very upset one of my best friends he was very upset because there was a, a thread about my early 2020 positional rankings. And the, the comment that he, he was upset, like he was like defending me in the, in the comments. And I was like, well, that's very sweet, but it, it doesn't actually bother me. The one that like stood out that I just like couldn't stop laughing about, though, was when I got called. I, I was called a racist because my top player ranked at each position was a white guy. It was Josh Uh-oh. Allen, Christian McCaffrey, Cooper Cup, and Travis Kelsey. But, like, oh, no. those are the consensus top players with the exception of Christian McCaffrey versus Jonathan Taylor. So it was like, really? This is – this is that that was the one that I was like, man, that people will really – people will, will, will look for uh, – will look for anything to – and I have no idea if the comment was serious or not. But That's the other no, thing. I, I, I don't know. I, I try to have thick skin. It bought – like – it bothers my wife way more when she sees mean things that people say about me on Twitter. Uh, but like when I got into a, a, a spat with uh, Aubrey Huff. A few, uh, uh, <laughs> why? Why would you do that? In the world. Yeah, he sucks. Uh, he's, he's baiting everyone. And he, he, he called me fat. And Ooh. so I like took a screenshot and posted it on Facebook. And like my, my aunt called me. And was like, why did this person do this? And I was like, I just thought it was funny. Like this, like MLB, former MLB player is like so sad that he's calling people fat on Twitter. And like, (laughs) but yeah, I I guess I I forget that. Like, I don't know. At some point you just realize that most people on social media forget that they're like talking to a person, you know, that there's the disconnect. And so. I never I think, think that. I really that's don't. That's a big thing. And, and I fall prey to it, too. Like, I, I'm not perfect. I, I get into fights on Twitter, and I, yeah, I'm not the... I, I know there are people who don't like me as well, and, and <laughs> I understand that. And uh, But, yeah, it's, 
it's it's important to remind yourself on social media that you are interacting with people, not just like yes. a, an avatar on a screen. Um, I think that a lot of people forget that. And when you interact with someone who's going after you like that, sometimes you just like remind them. Like, like I'll, I'll, you know, my, my response when someone says like, oh, you should be fired for this sports opinion. I'm like, but how will my pets eat? Or something like that, you know, just to, and people like, they'll often just like really calm down after you get some kind of reaction like that. Yeah, I love that. Uh-oh, did uh, Aubrey post that while at the monthly Mensa meeting? I feel like that's a shot <laughs> I mean, at Aubrey Huff. It, Come on now, Chad. Come on. Uh, it's it's fair. That's yeah, <laughs> reasonable. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I don't want to be mean, but with him in particular, I think it's fine. Yeah, let's keep it real here. I mean, if sometimes people, it is possible for some people to suck. It is true. Yes. And who are we to be the decision makers on that? I will leave that to others. I really try to avoid any type of arguments on Twitter, but I don't know. Maybe if I ever get to a point where I have a bigger and bigger following and I connect with more and more people and they keep, because even at my smaller level compared to yours, and I mean that in all, in all sincerity, mm-hmm. it's, it's just a different gap. There's people who hit me up all the time with questions, like every day, every day. Hey, what do you think yeah. of this guy? What do you think of this trade? Bing, 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 bing. And, and I, sometimes I find it a little overwhelming at times, but I really want to make sure that I try to, if someone goes out of their way to talk to me and they want to get my take, I would, mm-hmm. it's part of growing too, so I try to stick to that. But I can imagine at a certain point, I would lose sight of the humanity of it when it gets on a bigger and bigger scale, tens of thousands of followers, hundreds of thousands of followers. It just becomes an awesome I, I, force before you. I think the biggest thing that I struggle with is like, once you reach a certain level, you just get a lot of like really bad faith stuff coming at you. And like, it's hard to like, separate that from like people who are genuine genuinely asking a question mm. or, or or are like you'll and so that that's that's difficult and that's something that i definitely struggle with where like i'll just like kind of be dismissive of someone in a way that's not fair because i just kind of assume like you you put up your guard i guess is is the way to say it and it's hard social media is weird you're not like i think about like you think about human evolution you know, 200,000 years, 200, years of, of the, the Homo sapiens species. And what, 99.999% of that time, like up until like the last 50 years, every human being probably interacted with like 200 people in their entire life. <laughs> and that like, or, or, you know, or at least within the, the realm of like, within the span of time where cities became a thing. Sure. The, the overwhelming majority of people just never met anyone. It was like the people you lived with and your family and your tribe. And that was it. And now like I can open my phone and send a, my dumb joke about like a nineties alternative rock song to 35,000 people. And then it can <laughs> grow from there. Yep. And so it's like, we're, we're constantly having interactions that we just like, we're not, we didn't evolve to understand how to process them. And so we're constantly bombarded with like interactions or, or, or outcomes that just like are so foreign to what our species is used to that. Like our brains don't really know how to process social media. And so I think it's a great thing, but it's also like, 
has a really corrosive impact as well. And it's no doubt bad about that, that I'm addicted to it. Oh, he's coming correct. Look at that. Man, I love when people keep it real on the show. Thank you for being honest. That's exactly. <laughs> Whether it's what I want to hear or not, I want to always hear the truth. So it means a lot to me. And Chad here says, uh, especially for racist, homophobic, mediocre baseball players, which is in reference to Aubrey Huff, yeah. who has some own, I hope Aubrey Huff gets the help he needs. You know, I want everyone to be <laughs> the best person they can be down the road. Uh, Jamie says, I know I harass you with football stuff, Govier. Don't change who you are. That's what draws people, draws in the people. Well, thank you. You That's do very have kind a, a much, I, I would say a much more positive presence than I do. Well, uh, so I, I mean, that. thank you. I, that's very kind of you. I just, but I hope people think that I'm being me. I don't ever want to put on a front where it's like, hey, I'm, I'm the positive guy. Yeah, that's no. why I try to talk about everything, yeah, oh, yeah, no matter yeah. what's going on. Because I get that a lot, and I start to think, like, boy, I, that's incredible, but I make a lot of mistakes, and I got plenty of problems. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're all, we all, we're all human. Uh, Duh! Yeah, yeah you, exactly. I, I appreciate you. You have, you have a, a positivity that I appreciate. Someone told me it was a... Uh, I was a lunatic and I didn't know it. And I was like, oh, but I think they were trying to be complimentary. Okay. Like, Thanks. Okay. Uh. I, you can take it as a compliment. <laughs> Damn right I will. Yeah. Hey, I'll, I'll take it where I can get it. This world can be tough and cruel sometimes. So when we get yes. some, something to be like, oh, this is great. This feels good. I'm going to run with that for sure. Chad says, I've only been around a couple of weeks, but I can safely say you can't fake being you. Well, thank you, Govier. Or no, you're, I'm Govier. Who's who? What is happening here? Where the hell are we? We're on the Palazzo Podcast. Live with Chris Towers here. A couple more questions. We're getting the hell out of here, moving on with our lives. Chris, uh, explain your parameters for buying low on a player. Do you, I don't want you to give your secret sauce away entirely, mm -hmm. but can you give some insight to people who are always trying to... I had somebody ask me on Twitter the other night, how do you know what to look for when you're buying low? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the biggest thing is like... You base it on, like, it's all about perception, right? And so if a player's perceived value is lower than their, what you believe their actual value will be moving forward, that, that's ultimately where it comes from. And so, like, I'm writing about Nick Castellanos today and how this new offensive environment and the, the way the ball is traveling seems to have really negatively impacted him. You know, I, I looked up uh, some of the data and, like, his home run to fly ball rate on balls hit to center field, line drives and fly balls hit to center field was... 23.6% and 25% the last two seasons. This season, it's like 6.5%, which is more in line with what he was back in Detroit. You remember in Detroit, he was this guy who always had these really impressive batted ball data metrics, quality of contact, but was just like a 23 homer, 280 guy. You know, a good player, but not a superstar. And he's been much worse than that. And so, you know, in terms of like, I, I do think you should try to buy low on Nick Castellanos. But I also think it's worth acknowledging that given the, the, the new environment with the, the deadened ball and the humidors and it's not flying as far and, the, and it specifically seems to be impacting batted balls hit to center field and the power alleys. Well, he derives a lot of his value from that. So you probably can't look at Nick Castellanos and say, well, this is a guy who hit 34 home runs and you know, hit 300 last season or whatever it was. You probably shouldn't expect that. You do need to calibrate your expectations, but I still think there are probably situations where you can get excess value for him based on what he's done so far. And it's the nice thing about that 
is the guy in your league who has Nick Castellanos, the person in your league who has Nick Castellanos, they've already got his bad stats. So if he's better moving forward, you're kind of burying them while also helping your team. So I do like the, the buy low, you know, if you can pull it off, you have to buy low. You know, that's, that's the key also. Low. Get low. That's right. That was really well said. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think all of you here listening or watching live on the YouTube or Twitch, you'll take something from that. That really is a great way to maximize your return and burn someone else. I love that. And, you know, we're not trying to hurt anybody here, but we're trying to win. So let's cut the crap. All right. That's right. It's all about winning. Winning. By the way, Charlie Sheen, he no longer wants to be known for his, uh, his winning, that tiger blood thing he did. I, I find that... That was such a I strange ex- time in our culture. I yeah. I forgotten well, about you, that. Dude, what it was, it was a guy who was deeply addicted to drugs, having a yeah. mental ep- a breakdown before our entire country. And now he's on Cameo now. And I found this out recently through God knows where this information just pours into my head. But he's been on Cameo because people have been requesting so much of the tiger blood and the winning yeah. stuff because a lot of people love that. But yeah. what... It's a painful moment for him, and he yeah, said, always, that always feels, yeah, that it, even at the time, it struck me as very, like, exploitative. I mean, I know, like, you know, yeah. he was making a choice to put himself out there, but it was still, like, it's how I feel about, like, present-day Kanye West, where it's, like, he he's obviously, I mean, he talks about his struggles with mental health, but he also, like, talks about how he doesn't really want to take medicine or or get the help that he needs, and so it's, like, He's like this, like, it's this, like, spectacle. And we're, like, gawking at him. But it's, like, it's really sad. And, you know, I that's how I felt about the the Charlie Sheen thing as well. It was, like, this is clearly, like, someone going through something that is really heavy and really difficult. And for whatever reason, either they're not willing or they're not able to see it or they don't have the right people around them. And it's really difficult. Like, and it just... It's the kind of thing where you you look at it and say like you know get kind of the there for there but for the grace of God go I you know like you know fame can you know like like we talked about with with the you know the the human evolution like Kanye West is surrounded by million like hundreds of thousands of people will go see him in concerts and that just like screws up your your self perception in in really interesting ways and I'm always amazed by the the people who have those platforms who are well adjusted because it, it kind of seems impossible yes yeah wow that was again very poignant it, it's a bizarre world to see yourself adored i i remember i heard this about a rock star or some famous mm-hmm. musician recently where the first time he got stuck in his own traffic from his concert <laughs> you know that's a it's a big moment he was like wow i'm stuck in my own traffic for yeah. me they're all here to see me yeah, it's pretty wild. That's yeah, it's that's it's a, it's weird. Yeah, it is. So you can't help but go in a different direction when you're in unique parts of the world that few people attain. You're going yeah. to be in territories that are less known with less experience. That's just yeah. that's how it works. Whether you're exploring people, Mars or mental there space. aren't a lot of people who can uh, who can truly like understand what it's like to be Kanye West because there are there are. You know, maybe a dozen people. There, there are hundreds of thousands or millions of people with comparable lives to me. You know, just in the city of New York. You know, like, <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I'm a pretty, like, you know, there, there's a lot of people who have very similar experiences to me. There are 
dozens of people in the entire world, in the entire history of humanity who have had similar experiences to Kanye West. And so it's like, it's, it's hard. Like it, I feel really, I feel a lot of empathy for him. Um, <laughs> just because he's obviously not handling it well. You know, I think. Yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah, I feel terrible for him. It, I really do in the end. Even people are like, well, he's responsible for his own actions. Yes. Well, okay. Uh, you could sum that up with anything and. Yes, that is true, but that's not nuance, and there's more to the story, and there's context, and all that stuff yeah. matters to me. So, you know, I I want to give Jasper a quick shout-out here because he's been really good to the show, and he's been a good friend of mine, and he's been, he's been having his own challenges recently, so he deserves it. He says he's taking suggestions for his all-around sports site that he just started at work today. How about that? Look at this guy right on the spot doing his own thing. So congratulations, Jasper. He's been talking about it for a while, and now it's coming. He says, MJ, there will always be a place for you and the fellows on my site. And, of course, that's very kind of you. Um, I hope it goes well, Jasper. You're a good man. So, a couple questions left. Two left, we're out of here. The final two are this. In the multiverse, there are other Chris Towers with completely different lives based on several factors. Uh, Are you more of a nature or nurture when it comes to a stronger influence on the end result of a person? Like the Chris Towers and the other dimensions of the multiverse are doing other things because of different variables from either your genetic profile or your nurturing profile as you grew up in childhood. Uh, Which one are you more strongly inclined to believe can be impactful or is it all context-based every time? It's, it's definitely not, or, you know, it's not nature or nurture. There are certain (laughs) things that are to a certain extent hardwired into us from birth, but there's also like, you know, the, the impact of like, childhood nutrition and lead exposure has like there's like really good you know research on like the way that that stuff like that has impacted the outcomes of people's lives and and, in our backyard here man so yeah yeah. yep and so it's like you know heartbreaking that we still have situations like that where children are being but are being exposed to to lead and water in in the you know the 2000s but you know i I think like this is something that it's really hard to have empathy empathy is a very difficult thing and I, I fail at it constantly but like I, I I think about like I'm trying to think about like how personal to get here but like <laughs> I, don't have, I don't have a great relationship with my father like I don't need to get into details but you know there, there's just but I and so I struggle with it because on the one hand like you know the the person that he is and the person who doesn't you know we don't have a good relationship it's not like he chose to like he, he he didn't choose to like not have a good relationship with his son. It's you know the the result of choices that we've all made throughout the course of our lives. But like, it's tough to like, it's tough to to put yourself in the situation where you realize like, you know, or just to be more general, like people who are who are who do bad things. You know, we, we tend to just like, you're a bad person. It's like, well, yes, yes. You make choices that lead to bad outcomes and you're responsible for your own choices. Like we said earlier, but it's like, there are also circumstances that people are in that create, that lead them to make the choices. And and you still are responsible for the choices that you make and, and all that stuff. But like, there are people who grew up in bad environments where they didn't have, you know, not even like, you know, the nutrition that they need, but like the, the emotional support and like, that it's one of those things that I think about a lot and it just like breaks my heart. How many people like have bad upbringings and then just don't like, it just like it, 
it changes or it, it wires you for the rest of your life. Like literally like the way your brain is wired is, is the result of the way you're brought up. And so, you know, if you're in a bad circumstance, you can make the most of it and you can come out of it. But it's like, there's, there's a lot of people in this world who are brought up in bad circumstances who like, it just, it really impacts how your chances of, of becoming, you know, successful or, or however you want to define it. It just, not, or not even to like, to not even make it like a judgment thing, just the, the experiences that you have create branches, I guess would be the way to, to go back to the, the multiverse, you know? And, we go to the MCU? <laughs> and so, uh, you know, that, that's, I guess, like you can control which branch you take, but the, you know, each previous one dictates where you, you're able to go, I guess would be the way to, to mm. phrase it. And so... I'm definitely more nurture. I think that the impact of your environment, your upbringing, all that stuff is, is much more important than, um, than just who you're born to be. I don't think like, I don't think you're hard coded to have a 128 IQ or something, you know, like that, that <laughs> stuff, like, you know, maybe really? a, a wide range, but I think, um, you know, the, the home you're brought up in the culture you're brought up. And I think that all matters. And I think it's really important. And, you know, that's why I don't necessarily have like a hugely individualistic worldview. I think the, you know, the community is, is, is what matters in a great, in a, in a large sense. Yeah. And I think that. sometimes you get a lot of shit for that on Twitter too, right? Cause you're always trying to, I, I get that vibe from you a lot. You're always trying to be representative of the community. So to hear you say that out loud makes a yeah. lot of sense to me. And I think some people, some people will be like, Oh, well, you know, because there's all, I don't even want to go to the minutiae at all, but there's this individual, I guess you're right. It really comes down to this individualistic versus community-based perspective yeah. that often collides online. Yeah, and like you're the only one that's responsible for, for your outcomes. And it's like, well, you're responsible for your choices, but the circumstances that you're in that lead to those choices are the result of a million factors that are in your control and out of your control. And like, I recognize that I'm lucky to have been brought up in a, you know, upper middle class household with, you know, two parents who were, were there and, and I never, you know, went hungry. And like, so that this, you know, like I, I've earned where I am, like the, the level of success that I have in my career, like I've earned that to a certain extent because I work hard and, and all that. But like, yeah, it's also like, if I have a completely different upbringing, I'm not here, you know, it, it's, so it's, uh, yeah, the, the, like the highly individualistic worldview, I, I think is, is bunk. I don't, I don't, I don't subscribe to it. Yeah. A great thing from Arnold Schwarzenegger. He doesn't always say great things, but he said this great thing. I saw in one of these quick clips on TikTok or YouTube shorts where he's talking about the self-made man is bullshit. Yeah. And I was really impressed by that because he said anything he ever got was because of his first connection with people at these gold's gyms that he was at when he first came to America and they came over mm -hmm. and brought him silverware and basic things to survive. And he said the self-made man is always self-made yeah. human being is always going to be a lie. It's just not true. No man is an Island. It is. It still stands today. And I think America, unfortunately has driven it into people's minds so much. This individualistic, like you make it, you make it happen. You go, 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 which is part of capitalism and a whole nother story, which I'm yeah. not going to get into, but I, really like what you said there and again because 
I've lived this life, and I'm not trying to kiss Chris Tower's ass. When things make sense, they make sense. That's all I have to say about that. Yeah. All right, and as we're going to close out the show here, I want to get something that you really enjoy. I have to give you one more baseball question real quick. Uh, head-to-head is better than Roto because why? Uh, because, you know, there, there was a little bit of a discourse recently. Um, I think Errol Cohen was talking about his, head-to-head, his Tout Wars head-to-head team and how he's had bad luck in the matchups that he's faced and how that's, like, unfair. And it's like, yeah, it's unfair, but that's also part of the fun. Like, it's unfair that, you know... <laughs> I'm sure there's some team that has had to face the Yankees like an inordinate amount of time so far this season, and it's impacted their their record. And like that's unfair, but it's also like that's why we watch sports, you know. Like we're, yeah. we don't want it. It's, it would be boring if the best team won every single game, you know. And and so I, I think the head-to-head aspect and my favorite version of fantasy baseball is head-to-head categories because I do think there's yes there's yes. value in having to build a team where you you do have to have stolen bases and you do have to have saves and you can't just punt and you have to like find the balance between counting stats and, and rate stats and all. Like, I, I think that part of the Roto experience is very fun, but I also think like the actual process of playing Roto is kind of a slog and it's easy to feel like, well, I'm in eighth place and on June 30th, my season's over. But <laughs> in head to head, it's like, if you just get into the playoffs, you got a chance. And so that's, that's why oh, I big time. prefer that. Yeah. Big time. I think it's yep. just, it's more fun. It adds more of a human element to it. And the unfairness is, I think, a, uh, a the, the unfairness or the randomness, if you want to put it that way, I think is a feature and not a bug. It's part of life. It's part of the game we watch every day. Sometimes a guy gets suspended seven games. Other guy gets suspended four games, and it should have been vice versa. These are unfair mm-hmm. rulings, arbitrary at times, based on something, but seen differently by people who make judgments and that's the game that's how it works and that's what umpires do every day they're they do that every day so that uh, by the way the show is all about the head-to-head ride or die the plotso podcast i've been pushing this hard and my fan tracks hq article every week the fantasy baseball confidential which you could read every monday and i've been pushing it i'm pushing my home league which is head-to-head it's a keeper league and it's cats it's not points i know patrick ryan here he said head-to-head he's a huge head-to-head points guy and that's cool too but i'm with chris again our home league, BYB, shout out to those guys. We love head-to-head cats, and we always have. And building that roster takes a lot. Also, uh, Jasper said, nice work, guys. Some great insight and things to think about a bit more. I love it. And Donovan says, word, which was in reference not to our head-to-head, but what we were just talking about earlier. And Jasper says, finally, last place last season, third place currently, 12-team head-to-head since 96. Wow. That's nice. impressive. I think I know the answer to this final question. Um because it may have just happened recently, but maybe it wasn't. Uh, the best concert you ever went to and why? Oh, man. Um, I did see Paul McCartney last week. Uh, Bruce Springsteen came out. That was one of the best concert moments I've ever had. Seen. You were at that concert. Yeah, I was I, at I, that I read concert. about that and heard it. <laughs> wow, yeah, okay. I, that, was, that was wild. Uh, that's one of those, like, holy bleep, I can't believe I just saw those two people together. Um yeah, especially this that, late in life. You might see that again. I mean, yeah, like that that was the thing. I've seen Paul McCartney six times now, and it was like, oh, these are really expensive tickets. Yeah, the, the Beatles growing up were like, I, I, the, the way I always put it is the Beatles were like oxygen in my house. Like that was like, <laughs> you know, even if you never like went out of your way to listen to the Beatles, you know, every word growing up in my house because it was just always on. And so, yeah. and it was like, well, I've seen him a lot. Tickets are expensive, but it's also like, it's a Beatle and he's 80. And it might be your last chance. So, like, yeah, I'm going to go see him. Uh, 
Best concert I've ever been to, though. I, man, uh, it's tough. I've been to a lot. That's uh, that's a big thing for me. Janelle Monae was incredible. I saw Ooh. her on the uh, Dirty Computer tour, and that was just the crowd was awesome. Um, the crowd is a big part of a good concert. Like if you're in a crowd where people are into it and like that, that makes a big difference. And the crowd was amazing at that show. Um, and she puts on an unbelievable performance. She's an incredible uh, performer. So th- that's definitely up there. And um, David Burns, American Utopia. Oh, I wish I'd gone to that, man. I, I, I've, I've seen it on Broadway as well. Uh, if you haven't seen it on HBO, it's an incredible performance. But the, mm. the tour, that was one that, like, stayed with me for months. Like, I just couldn't stop thinking about it. The, the <sighs> choreography, the, the marching band aspect of it, the, the stories he tells, the, the songs, obviously one of the, you know, the greatest songwriters of all time. Um, that was a really, really special show. That one definitely, like... I get like chills just thinking about that concert. My friend told me that. Yeah, he went saw it here locally at what is known as the Fox Theater, which is a little bit of a smaller but still a healthy size, beautiful mm-hmm. place in downtown Detroit. And he said it was so worth it. He would have paid yeah. any price, and I was pinching myself. I think that was, I want to say it was during COVID. Is that true or false? Uh, he did the tour. The tour was probably like 2017 because it was still back oh. in South Florida. The Broadway oh, wow. show okay. uh, was like pre and then post COVID. Um, okay. Yeah. But yeah, really just an incredible, like incredible stuff. So definitely mm-hmm. that's, that's up there for sure. Okay. Those are the fine choices there. I, I said, Recently, I think mine still holds. It was seeing Rage Against the Machine at Lollapalooza 08. I had never That's seen awesome. them. And the whole, and again, I guess it's, I guess we have a lot in common because you're right. The crowd in particular for that show, for that event, it was, yeah. it was August 08. The economy was falling apart. Uh, we'd had eight years of Bush and like yeah. all this bullshit. And then you got Rage Against the Machine yeah, coming, coming out of the woodwork. Yeah. Show, yeah, their first show in probably a decade or so. Yeah, since they broke up in like 2000. Man. And I'd never got to see them, and I was a huge fan of them growing up. So I always felt like I missed something. So when that chance came, I, you put all those factors together, it's a difficult, difficult yeah. environment to replicate. That was yeah, incredible. I, I definitely want to see them on their, their upcoming tour with, uh, oh, yeah. with Run the Jewels. That sounds like it's going to be an amazing show. Definitely, definitely going to make that a priority. Uh, we were all excited for it before COVID, and the tickets got canceled. So yeah. we will do that. We're, we got a whole crew here; we'll be fired up too. And it's awesome. Yeah, it's funny that Rage Against Machine they they they, they hold a strange place in society for me because they yeah they had this like message that they really believe. I I have no doubt that everything that they've written about and Tom Morello spoken about too, not mm-hmm. just Zach De La Roca. There's a lot of uh, you know social and political angst in what they did, and people were really drawn to it on a mass scale, not just the music, like the whole thing. Yeah. And then like all those people, I kind of get the same vibe of like the baby boomers who went through the hippie movement in the '60s and all that, and then like life just kind of went on. Well, you know I what think I mean? There's a lot of people who like the appeal of Rage Against Me, like Paul Ryan. You know, his Paul Ryan's favorite thing, <laughs> Rage Against the Machine, has always been hilarious, and oh, uh, the shit, dichotomy yeah. between like the things he personally believes and the things that that band is <laughs> like, not just believes, but like we're singing about. Yes. Um, you know, the, <laughs> like 
there there were a lot of people who had that disconnect where they the structure went. is set you never change it with a ballot poll was paul <laughs> yeah. ryan singing that hardcore uh, yeah, congressman like they're, they're, they're singing like they're 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 talking about like indigenous rights of you know latin america uh, latin, yeah. like, you know indigenous groups of latin america and the way they've been exploited by capitalism and you know so like i think there were a lot of people who just like didn't connect that and you know there's there's the the famous like you know i i, I can't remember tom morello was on twitter and someone said like you know, I used to love your music before you got political. And it's like, uh, uh, <laughs> no, that's, that's, uh, no, that's not how it works. That is uh, just a stupid statement, man. You I just can't paying attention. Yeah, clearly. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, um, we all know who Leonard Peltier was just because of Rance Against Machine. Yeah. They had a video called Freedom and I would never have known who it was, especially back in 93, 94. So. Yeah. So yeah, no, that's pretty wild. It is one of the like, if you were to explain like it's a, a a heavy metal slash rap group that primarily sings about like not just like left wing politics but like ultra like radical leftist <laughs> politics. Yes. And they were one of the biggest bands in the world. It's like right. the nineties were a weird time. That's one of the there's a lot of artists in music who were popular that like there's never that that could never have been these a two corn and white zombie five times so far says Jasper. Okay. I I I feel like I saw Corn when I was a kid. I remember it being a good show. Uh, I mean, Rob Zombie turned into a director. He left. Uh, I don't even know him for his music to, anymore. Good director. Yeah. Yeah. He's he knows the genre. I'll give him credit yeah. for that. Not my personal so, favorite, but yeah. Um, but yeah, like the nineties. Like, uh, I don't know if. Uh, oh God, who's I? The president of the United States of America. Yeah, moving to the country. I don't think that's a, a band that could have been popular at any other point except for the 90s the 90s were this like weird like it, there was like still the monoculture but the underground became mainstream for a little bit and you had like this weird blending of of all kinds of different types of music that were popular and so it's it it was definitely a, a strange time in music but i think it's one of the best i would argue you know popular music in the 90s i i think I, i'll put it up against any other era I have a hard time separating my own experiential bias, Obviously, but yeah, I was, I was, it's you know, difficult. Whatever was popular when you were 10 is, you know, gonna, gonna stick with you forever. But I was born in 1980, so I, I lived my first 10 years in the 80s. Definitely yeah. the 10 most, like, I don't know what's going on years, sure. But uh, they still, but also the most sponge worthy years where a lot of things yeah. get sucked into you. And I came back real strong on 80s music that I didn't really know when I was a kid that I got to hear as I became a teenager and a young adult, like The Cure and all that new mm -hmm. wave stuff. I, I love that stuff. So I put yeah, that up that against any other period of music, too. So, uh, but it's interesting. I could, we could do a whole show about that. But, no, we won't. We will stop here. We will end this show. And we will thank Chris Towers for his time and energy. He is now our Palazzo pal. <laughs> Isn't that cool? See what we did there? Look, we did a whole episode. Like now it. we can say that, isn't it? It's a uh, Kichi. What's the difference between Kichi and Quirky and, uh, boy, I don't know the difference, I guess. Kichi. What does Kichi mean? I think Kitch, 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 Kitch. Kichi? Uh, Kichi? I think it's, I don't know. I feel like. Uh, I don't either. I, I feel like it's like the, the buttons, like the flare <laughs> that they wear in office space at uh, whatever the bar is called or like the like Applebee like, stuff on the wall. Chotchkeys. Yeah, like that. I think that's what Kitch is. <laughs> Chachkis, that's great. Oh, Patrick says Ween. Oh man, you people who are into Ween are a unique bunch. I will say that. <laughs> I will give you that. Have never seen Ween. 
Me neither. That, I, I'm sure it's a. I'm sure it's a spectacle, though. I'm sure it is, and I respect what they do. It's just not really my thing. It's like, yeah, you know, they're jokesters, I think. But you no, know, they know how to write. Uh, anyways, I could talk for hours. Thank you to Chris Towers. Thank you everybody who was in the live chat. Of course, follow me on Twitter at C Towers CBS. Follow us on Twitter two L's two Z's. Utah. Give me two. Plaza Podcast, and you can get the pinned tweet at the top where the Discord is free. And if you like the show and you want to talk more about 90s music and stuff during the week, we just opened up the uh, Heat channel. We have a whole channel now dedicated to the movie Heat. <laughs> <laughs> and immediately people started posting things about the Miami Heat. So I, I guess we don't really know what the channel's about officially, but it does say Heat. So maybe a hot day today might make the cut. All I know is uh, I love doing the show and I love getting to connect with people like Chris. So thanks to Chris. Thanks to you guys. Enjoy it. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.